All right, all right. We are going to try a little new thing here. So I wanted to try some live podcasting. You know, I don't always want to sit in front of a camera while doing my podcasting. So I wanted to try this kind of podcasting. Hello, Car King. You are the very first person to come into the free domain live podcasting. And uh, I thought it would be a nice way to chat with you guys, get some thoughts, get some ideas, share some brain power without having to, I got to tell you, like 15 years almost, I've been sitting in front of a camera for the most part, or I guess even when I was driving back in the day when I was first starting out. So I wanted to try live casting, just audio, just audio. So, you know, I don't have to put all my makeup on and do my hair, both of them. Can you guys hear all right? If you, I think there's a chat in here. And uh, there's a way, I believe, of doing callers. But uh, I'm not sure exactly how to do that just yet. Renown says, hello, Mr. Molyneux. I am a new subscriber, and you are my biggest inspiration. I admire your work. Please don't ever stop. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I've actually <laughs> I've had a, uh, a request, you know, whether it's serious or not. I think it's kind of a thing that people do. I've had a request to do like a mega lengthy live stream you know like some people do like what four hours six hours eight hours or more uh that may be a bit of a younger younger dude kind of thing but uh we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see so let me know if you don't mind how you uh, came about and how you came in and uh i don't know how any of this works i've just started this new application so i'm not sure how any of this works if anybody has any thoughts I would be happy to hear. Uh, let's just try uh, someone here. Renowned has come on in. And uh, Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Wonderful. It is just surreal talking to you. I've been an admirer for years, uh, probably since about 2018. And uh, so I thought we'd try the, the voice chat together. So how are you liking it so far? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's great. It's a nice quality. And uh, is my audio coming through okay? Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So you're crystal clear. How did you first get into philosophy or the show as a whole? The show as a whole was actually when you went on the Dave Rubin show, mm -hmm. and I just was – my curiosity was piqued. And I thought, you know, I'd like to actually go because at this point you were still on YouTube. So I went to your YouTube channel, and um, just the more I watched, the more I enjoyed it until finally I saw, well, he has a book, The Art of the Argument, and I, I love it. I'm actually going to reread it again soon. It's I've only read it through one time, but I'm going to read it again because I really loved it. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, it's It was a blast to write. I actually have a writing regimen. I'm on a treadmill with voice dictation. I mean, I have my sort of notes organized ahead of time, but I like to move when I and this is another reason why for me doing a kind of podcasting show where I'm not lashed to a camera can sort of move around a little bit it's pretty nice so yeah I'm uh, I'm pleased that you like it I will recommend and it's free it's free it's free but my novel almost which you can get at freedomain.com slash almost uh, it's well worth well worth a listen I just if, if you're not a novel guy I think novels are kind of out of vogue these days but uh, if you're not a novel guy, just give it a try. Uh, if you're at all into history, it's really, really good that way. And uh, I actually wrote it about 20 years ago. And then after getting yeeted off YouTube, uh, I decided to uh, record the audiobooks. I'm sort of pleased about that. And I think you should check it out. It's really, really good if you like that kind of stuff. So, 
Have you have you read any other sure. books? I know this sounds like I'm kind of harassing you for consumption, but uh, have you read any anything else I've written? Uh, you've got one called Real Time Relationships. I've read a good bit of that. I haven't read the whole thing though, but I was really enjoying it. Um, I I do enjoy reading, but I have a lot of stuff that is suggested to me. But I will read your your fiction book almost. It's I, not sorry. I, it's only available as an audio book at the moment. Uh, we will oh, okay. we will get the text out at some point, but it's a bit of a monster mash to go through in great detail. Well, that means I get to listen to your voice then, which you have a wonderful voice for, for radio, for podcasting, for philosophy, and so I look forward to listening to the audiobook then. Conspicuously absent from your list is singing, but I accept that. I accept <laughs> that with humility, that, that, that the Lord above wanted me to do more philosophy than yodeling, uh, and that's that's totally fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, who who doesn't want to be a rock star if they can, right? <laughs> of course. Well, that's great. Um. Have you written other novels? I have. In fact, that was my first thing. My first thing was fiction. Okay. My first thing was fiction. I've got, I don't know, half a dozen novels, I suppose. Um, another one which you can get. What inspired you to write? Um, what inspired me to write? Ah, gosh. I mean, I always loved reading stories. I have a, you know, a great taste for the spiciness of language. Uh, Ray Bradbury was, I was a big fan of Ray Bradbury back in the day and a lot of, a lot of science fiction. And then I moved on to fantasy during my Dungeons and Dragons days and then moved on to the Russian writers in my sort of mid to late teens, so Dostoevsky, Turgenev, uh, and so on. Although not so much a war and peace, the, the Tolstoy guy, never, never quite able to get into the Tolstoy guy. Man, that <laughs> guy can chew out some syllables like, uh, like he's a frat boy in his first drunk. And, uh, but yeah, I just, I always felt like I had, you know, you know, when it's like, you look at the world and this is like entrepreneurship, right? So you look at the world and you say, eh, something's missing. Something's not, something's not here that I really, really want to be here. And that was certainly the case with philosophy. Uh, that was the case with movies. Uh, that was the case with novels. I loved them, but it's kind of like the better you are at philosophy, usually the worse you are at fiction. Uh, with one exception being Plato was a great writer, of course, and we have to assume that the dialogues that he wrote are somewhat fictionalized, at least I would hope so. There can't be transcriptions because there was no such thing back <laughs> in the day. And so the more artistic you are and the more you're able to engage an audience with sort of vivid characters and stories, the more goopy tends to be your philosophy, whereas the more rigorous your philosophy, the less you're able to abandon yourself to the juicy, simmering, which is brew of creativity. And so I felt I had a pretty good combo of the two. So my first, uh, it was, it was, it was novels, uh, poems. I've written like 30 plays. Uh, I, I did, uh, you know, theater yes. school and, and acting and all of that. So yeah, my first thing was the arts, but <laughs> funny story it turns out the arts are surrounded by a fiery mode of communists, uh, these days, uh, actually mm. for quite some time. So I was, I, they loved, they all loved me in the arts until they found out that I was anti-communist and then, uh, well, let's just say the love tended to reverse itself quite a bit. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of novels. Another one you can check out, which is a, a modern – it's a dark comedy novel half based upon my time in the software world. Uh, it's uh, called The God of Atheists, and you can get that at fdrurl.com forward slash TGOA for The God of Atheists. I, I should really – I'm good at coming up with titles for books. I'm very, not very good at coming up with URLs to find them, uh, but um, I would like to uh, – I suggest that one again. It's, it's audiobook. That one you can get for, in, in print. 
Uh, and again, it's also free. And uh, it's uh, it's you know it, it, it's if you don't mind laughing and gasping at the same time, it's the book for you because uh, the comedy can be a, a little <laughs> bit dark. But so, how's your life in the pandemic? How's that going? It's been good. So I live in the states. I live in South Carolina, and here it's it's a mixture. So obviously, with Trump now out of office, a lot of the Republicans are kind of like, well, we're going to thumb our noses and stick it to Biden, and so. There's good and bad sides to it. We're not completely locked down, but people are, of course, socially distancing and wearing masks. But, you know, what else are you going to do? It's just one of those things. I mean, we there's a lot of unknown going on right now, but life's good. I got a job recently. Um, that's been okay. I'm, I'm working a small retail job, so nothing spectacular, but it was better than being unemployed for sure. And I'm going to college as well. Oh, yeah, that unemployed thing is, uh, is pretty rough. It's, it's like the first two weeks are glorious. And after that, it's like that the air begins to slowly encase around you, and it's like I actually really do feel that I need to be productive in order to consume. So right. yeah, good for you, man. Good for you getting out. And I think, I mean, I think some of the mask and social distancing stuff. There are a lot of a lot of really jumpy people in society. A lot of them don't tend to be overly bright, and there's a lot of jumpy people in society who are scared to hell of this thing, even because they just can't process risk. You know, they see oh, so and so died of COVID, you know, so-and-so lost a leg to COVID. And it's like, you know, that's in the news because it's rare, right? Uh, you know, mm. it, during the height of the Second World War, they weren't saying, you know, so-and-so died in Italy because, you know, it was happening all over the place all the time. And so they look at these news stories and they say, man, this thing's everywhere and it's killing people left, right, and center. It's like, no, no, no. The, the, the fact that there's only one or two or five or ten people in the news a day means that it's extremely rare, but they need their rituals to get out of the house. You know, otherwise they go full-on agoraphobic, like the air is full of, of viruses and, and the air is going to kill them. I guess it's an update to the air was going to kill them from global warming to now the air is going to kill them from COVID. And so I, I think people just need their rituals to get out of the house. You know, like some people... um uh, I remember this in the theater world, right? So break a leg, right? Break a leg uh, is supposed to be good luck, <laughs> and you're not allowed to say the word Macbeth in a in a in a theater. You have to refer to it as the Scottish play. And if you do accidentally say yes. the word Macbeth, I think you have to run around the theater three times to break the curse. A bunch of superstitious lunatics in the <laughs> uh, in the uh, in that world. It's like sports, you know, like my lucky socks, my lucky underwear. It's like oh god, no, no, no. It's just it's just the bell curve of, of, of playing, man. Sometimes it's good all around. And so I think people just need their rituals in order to get out of the house. And, you know, you can say rationally they don't, but, you know, rationally um, astrology is complete, you know, nonsense, but it's still in the newspaper <laughs> all over the place and people need that uh, that sense of things. Yeah, of course. Some people still believe it. And, and that's the problem is that there's some people that are just going to be irrational. I've grappled with that because I have, even in my own family, People that believe things, um, that which with, with which not only do I disagree with, with the facts disagree. But let me ask you the same question: How are you living these days? How's how's Canada? Uh, well, I mean, Canada is sort of like saying how's the U.S. I mean, the U.S. goes all the way from right. uh, literally all the way from Florida to California in terms of extremities. Uh, to like, you have one, you know, DeSantis has opened up Florida since March. And uh, unlike Cuomo, New York has only opened up the old age homes to COVID patients uh, and, and lied about it, as far as I can tell. But, yeah, Canada's it's got a range. We have our Texas, which is called Alberta. We have a California, which is called B.C. Uh, we have, I don't know, Florida and I don't know, it's hard to say exactly where Ontario sort of the heartland. It used to be more of the industrial center. And I think it's one of the last remaining provinces that actually makes a, uh, makes money. Everybody else just takes 
money from the government in this form of interprovincial welfare called uh, repayments or, or rescheduling payments and all that. And, and so, is that where you reside? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Ontario. Uh, Ontario, yeah, it's crazy okay. lockdown. It's crazy lockdown at the moment. It's like you know everything's closed. Our schools are closed. Malls are closed. And closed. You can't you can't ski. You know, because apparently the, the China virus comes with a jetpack that lets it follow you down a hill at 40 miles an hour when you have a balaclava on. Apparently, this is how how it transmits. Uh, it, it's uh, it's bullet it's bulletproof. It's a superhero bug, and uh, you know people are getting fined for going skating. I mean, it, it really has gone uh, complete hysteria. Like I don't know. I think we need to start importing testosterone or something. But it's uh, it's gone pretty nuts. Now, of course, I work from home. I exercise from home. And uh, so it's not been, you know, I think of all the people, it's it's not been a huge change in my lifestyle. But uh, it, it, for for most people, it's pretty brutal, and they are getting a strong sense of, you know, nothing's as as uh, permanent as a temporary government program. What are we on the one year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve now? It's uh, it's crazy. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah sounds about right. Uh, is there anyone else who wants to join in? I was I didn't even realize this thing had this feature of of letting people jump in, which is which is great. If anybody else wants to jump in, just just let me know. And uh, how's uh, you said you got some family members who are a little on the uh, superstitious side, to put it as nicely as possible. Well, just full blown statist, I think, is the way to put it. Um, which I have to say, well, briefly, so not to completely change the subject, but um, but I think you've said before it was actually I think shortly before you got taken off YouTube. Um, you talked a little bit about actually, so where I first saw you at the Dave Rubin show, um, which to be fair to you, he did ask not just two setup questions, but several like boom, um, what is it? Foo, boom, race and IQ. So I just wanted to ask, is there a chance of you ever going back? Well, he wouldn't have me back. I'm sure. I mean, uh, the, the, whole, <laughs> the whole point of this sort of yeeting and, and all of the lies that are told is to sort of get me off the mainstream so that people like you, like you found me on the Dave Rubin show. And so they don't want me going on more mainstream. I guess he's mainstream, right? Mainstream outlets for fear that other people might also hear me. And of course it's, it's always a big question. Like if you're on YouTube and I've been kicked off YouTube and then you invite me back on YouTube, what happens to you? Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a tough question. And from a, you know, the, 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 the deplatforming people, the censorship people, they kind of rely on the, rational calculation you know some people will make decisions based purely on principle I, almost nobody makes them purely on principle but principle is a big effect and but most people do that rational calculation thing right so what they do is they say okay cost of having Steph on my show it could be the cost of my channel it could be <laughs> you know the same level of deplatforming that Steph went through benefit of having Steph on my show you know there's some I guess some not view so of moral courage and, and so on, but it's not like, yay. Uh, it, I, and so what they do is they say, and, and this is how the deplatforming works, right? It's how they silence people is they make it just too costly in terms of risk to have people on the show. And, uh, and it's a shame, right? I said this on a live stream the other day. Of course, what happens is that people, you know, the, the, the guy with the Viking horns, who was strolling his insouciant way through the Capitol building back in early January. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you get rid of people like me, these are the guys who are next, right? These are the guys who come that they, they rush to fill in the void that's taken, uh, that, 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 that sort of appears when reasonable people are taking out of the conversation. Then you get a guy with admirable abs and a, a Viking helmet. Like that's just natural. It, it, nature abhors a vacuum and 
the extremist regime and the moderates are taken out. And yeah, the Dave Rubin thing, I mean, I didn't mind it too much. I generally, I don't like the ambush, right? That's, that's just a basic politeness thing to me. Like if, because I had done some shows with Dave Rubin before. We had done some shows together and it had been, you know, perfectly convivial, a couple of challenges here and there, but, you know, we, we talked about the things we agreed on and, you know, he, he came on to talk about Christmas uh, on my Christmas special. So we had a very sort of positive and pleasant working relationship, just like I had with uh, Joe Rogan. And then yes. I, I don't know where, I don't know if you say where the orders come from or what happens, but uh, then what happens is, you know, there's a smile and there's a glad handing and, hey, you know, if you're going to be in the neighborhood, why don't you come on my show? And given that we've had perfectly pleasant and positive shows in the past, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. And it's the same thing with Joe Rogan. We did a couple of shows which were perfectly pleasant and positive, where, again, you know, we have some challenges to each other, but it's yes. positive and civilized. And then what happens is you get in the chair and, you know, all of the friendliness vanishes and it's like you just get grilled for like two hours on, on every conceivable negative interpretation of every soundbite you've ever made that's you almost always taken out of context and stuff like that. And it's not that I don't mind the tough questions. That's fine. I just don't like it when you're invited in under the auspices of, you know, let's do a show together, have a friendly conversation. And then it says, I just like to know ahead of time so I can be more prepared, so I can do my research, so I can look up the troll sites and figure out what negative things people are saying and how to rebut them. So, well, I have to say, come on. I mean, you you responded in each situation, both the Dave Rubin show and the third Joe Rogan episode. I mean, to say that you landed on your feet sounds like you were picked up to begin with, but you were just so graceful and did so well that it was really quite admirable. And and I have to say, it made me respect you because you responded so well to a lot of I think pretty hostile and and again. You were ambushed, like you said, and you responded in a very good way, but I just completely understand not going back. And again, they wouldn't have you back. I, I do believe that. I agree with you on that. But I wanted to ask if, if, if I could ask you a question. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. I thought you were about to ask me the question, but yes, you can certainly ask me a question. Well, of course. Um, and I, I appreciate this, by the way. This has just been great so far. Um, you write in the art of the argument, you get the person taking it and basically throwing it down the garbage disposal. And it really has made me wonder. So I mentioned my family, family that is just um, when you are not taught, but you are indoctrinated, there you go, um, into statism. At what point do you determine, well, disposal? Because it's, it's something I'm grappling with. I don't know whether to try to speak to them about voluntarism or the non-initiation non of force or to just say, well, I'm not sure. Because I, I will just say in the past, they're not even willing to have the conversation. Right. That's a, it's, it's a good question. And I mean, I don't say obviously, like, like clearly there's no answer. There's no absolute answer. There's no, well, you have 12, 12.3 conversations. <laughs> you know, by 12.4, uh, you're done. So I, I think in the past, I mean, I made this case, boy, 11 years ago when I was speaking at Libertopia. And... Um, you can look at my Libertopia 2010 speech uh, on Library or, or on BitChute or uh, other places. But um, back then it was more theoretical. But now, now right. you've got you've got people informing on family members, right? I mean, like like no kidding. You've got you've got sons turning in their fathers to the FBI based upon whatever I think it was the Capitol uh, attack and so on, right? So. 
it really, I think, depends on if you are doing or saying things that people might look at askance. Now, again, I'm not talking about pure illegality. That's, you know, kind of another matter. But, you know, if, if at some point, you know, someone comes and say, hey, has this family member, meaning you, whatever your name is, doesn't matter, right? But has, has this family member, have they ever said this or have they ever listened to this person or have they ever mentioned this podcast or have they ever had talked about these ideas or, you know, now, again, the way that censorship is working is not through, especially in America because of the First Amendment, it's not government force, it's economic ostracism, right? That's the way that it's working, that this is this um, massively subsidized yes. mob rolling around through society looking to smash and destroy whoever they disagree with, right? And so when it comes to, uh, to me, it's, it, 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 before it was like, okay, let's, let's really push back against statism and make people understand that they are supporting the use of force. But now, I mean, that, that aspect still applies. Uh, but now uh, there is a basic sort of security. I think that's important, right? I mean, when I was growing up, and I mentioned this on a podcast recently, so I'll keep it really brief here, but I think it's worth reiterating. Like, I mean, you, you, a smart guy, you listen to philosophy podcasts. So to me, you're always in the top 1% of intelligence to begin with, but you probably spent a lot of time debating with and, and arguing with people and so on, as have I. And when I was younger, in my teens, when I would be debating and arguing with, with someone, there'd be like a group of us and we'd, we'd sort of chew over the big issues of the day. And, and it was, you know, the, the, the debating and, and landing on my feet, as you say, it didn't come out of nowhere. It comes out of like debating with people from sort of my late single digits onwards. And the idea that you would win an argument against someone and then that person would say, okay, that's it, man. I'm just going to get you fired from your job. That, that would be just, like, incomprehensible. It would be like, wait, what? Wait, I made a really good argument against the death penalty. You're pro-death penalty, and your response is to say I did something really bad to my boss and maybe even manufacture something that I did and then try and get me fired like that. It's so far, and this is maybe because I'm an older guy, it's so far from the bounds of anything or everything. It, you know what it's at? It's at the level of uh, back in the day, there was a skater named Tonya Harding and there was this other skater named Nancy Kerrigan. And Tonya Harding was the bad girl and Nancy Kerrigan was the all-American good girl according to sort of the general reports. And if, I, if memory serves me right, and it's, you know, I'm really picking over the old detritus of, of memory here, but I think I think Tonya Harding got a boyfriend to hit Nancy Kerrigan with a lead pipe on the leg so that so that Tonya Harding could win some skating contest. And of course everybody was just like appalled. Yes. Right? Like what a you know, you know, win or lose, but don't cheat that viciously, right? And this idea that you try to destroy people you disagree with, I mean that's that's a whole new thing. It's it's a whole new thing that really came out after the Trump win, right? That was the downside of the Trump win was the uh, massive escalation in, oh, you, you disagree with me? I'm going to try and destroy you. Uh, that's, that's stalking, right? That's, that's uh, hey, man, you can break up with me, but if you break up with me, I'm going to destroy some truly psycho stuff. And if you've got family members uh, who, they, you know, it's not just whether they disagree with you, right? If they disagree with you, they disagree with you. Do they think you're an evil guy for what you believe or what you advocate for? Do, you, do they think you're an evil guy? Do they, you know, do they think, oh my gosh, 
you're you're not you know you're, you're a white supremacist or, or you're a racist or you hate the poor or you're a misogynist or whatever it is you're a phobic of some kind or another do they think that you're a genuinely bad guy could they be convinced that you're like literally hitler by someone and now if that's the case man uh you are really uh, you're really playing with fire you really really are you asking? Are you asking me? No, Josh? I, don't, I don't. Like, I don't want to. This is just way, a general <laughs> statement for people as a whole, and you know, it's something that okay. everybody kind of has to look into their heart and say, "Am I really uh, uh, playing with fire with this with this kind of stuff?" And uh, it's become a bit more vivid now than than it used to be back back in the day. So. Um, but I, I don't think you should go forever, for sure. honestly. I mean, if, if you believe, uh, you accept that, say, taxation is, is violence or the initiation of force or theft, and people still advocate taxation, uh, my argument has always been the same. You either have to drop the beliefs or drop the relationships eventually because you cannot be in a positive relationship with someone that you define as supporting immorality, as, as supporting evil. You, I mean, you just can't. Mm. You can't love someone and they say, oh, yes, but, but you, also, you also support evil. Now, again, people are in a state of nature with regards to immorality. Like, I don't view people in the 14th century, uh, uh, whatever, the, the Byzantine Empire, or whenever the heck it was, right? I, I don't view people in the 14th century who are pro-slavery as, as immoral in the same way that I would view somebody who's pro-slavery now would be deeply immoral, right? Uh, morality is a kind of technology oh, of that, that you have to develop, right? Like, we don't say a doctor is bad in the 17th century because he didn't prescribe antibiotics because there wasn't any such thing yet, right? So... For me, and I think, it's, I think it's a pretty good argument, you expose people to moral arguments they've not heard before, and thus you grant them moral responsibility. You take them out of a state of nature, out of a state of propaganda, and you put them into a clear place of moral choice. You, you, are, you are delivering to them free will through your syllables. It's really kind of a magical thing. You're, you're creating a possibility of choice where you didn't before like if you if you could imagine talking to someone if you if you gave them the right you know the way it works in dungeons and dragons or or fantasy as a whole right is that you have certain words that you can speak which give people magical powers right so in dungeons and dragons i think there's a spell called air walking like you you cast this spell on yourself or on someone and you can walk on the air like it's a staircase or or a, a bridge or something like that and so the people don't have the choice to walk on air it's not a choice that we think, oh, well, I could take the stairs or the elevator or I could just walk down the air. <laughs> we don't think that, right? Unless we're crazy, in which case we don't think for very long. So when you speak particular words, you get choices that go against the formally assumed physics of, you know, in this case, gravity, right? And it's the same thing when you, when you give someone a moral argument, you're casting a magic spell on them that gives them a choice they never had before. And, and before they hear mm -hmm. that moral argument, and, you know, it's not as simple as taxation is theft or, or whatever it is. It could be any number of things, right? But when you give them that moral argument, you're casting a spell on them that gives them free will. You are uh, – it's almost like being a, a demigod in a way. I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but, but when you think of it, you're actually creating morality in them, whereas before only existed propaganda. Now, some people, some people are like, wow, wait, moral choice? That's a good thing. Awakening from propaganda, that's a good thing, right? Some people are like Neo in the Matrix, and some people are like that bald guy that wants to go back in the Matrix and eat steak, right? And, and so when you give people, you, you, you are awakening that which is most deeply human within them by giving them a moral argument they've not heard before. If they rebut that moral argument, you've learned something, and you now have a better choice 
matrix. If they accept that moral argument, they've learned something. They now have a better choice. And this amazing power that philosophy has to create choice where before was only the grim descending train track of propaganda is the most amazing power. It's the most fundamental power. It is what makes philosophy so fundamentally human and how humanity can only fundamentally exist in the presence of philosophy. Because if you're just propagandized, then you're just a robot serving the needs of those in power and you don't actually have free will. You don't actually have moral choice. You're in a state of non-humanity. You're not inhuman like you know moral arguments and you just work against them because you're a sadist or whatever. You're just in a sense almost like pre-human or non-human. And this sounds bad, like I'm saying people aren't humans. Of course they're humans and, and, and they're completely acceptable under the law, equal under the law, and so on. And they would accept moral responsibility in certain areas. But they're not But they don't have like as much humans. human choice as we would like. Yeah, they don't have as much. There you go. And, and like yes. people just accepted that slavery was part of human history, right? They pay, they slave, that, that, that society is slavery, whether it's serfdom or direct slavery. Society is slavery. All societies, 100,000 years across the world, everyone, slavery was like gravity, right? And people didn't think that you could have a society without slavery any more than most people think you can have a society without a government. And then they heard the abolitionist arguments. Mm. Now, with regards to slavery, they were in a non-human state because they didn't have a choice, a moral choice that, that gave them responsibility and, and allowed them to choose better. They were like, I mean, like animals. Animals don't have moral ideals that they can compare proposed actions to. They just follow their uh, fear, uh, their fight or flight and hunger mechanisms and so on. And so you are, you, we are, I think we are create, we're sort of bringing down amazing beams of light that, that light up human consciousness in essential areas. And so you, you want to bring that gift to people that you care about. If, they, if, if in given the moral choice, they then choose immorality, well, that's then. Then what you either, in the long run, I think you either have to give up that relationship because it's not a relationship. If they, if they genuinely choose chosen immorality or evil with with a deep knowledge or a reasonable knowledge of of what's good, you can't love someone who's chosen evil. Like love is our involuntary response to virtue if we're virtuous. You can't just love someone who's who's immoral. Or if you love that person and they've chosen something that you define as immoral, you have to give up the moral perspective that has described them as immoral because you can't love someone and call them immoral at the same time. It's, it's a, it's a moral, it's a, an emotional impossibility. And so you either have to give up the relationship if they choose evil, or you have to give up the belief that has defined their choice as evil. Because if you still want to stay, because you've got to be an empiricist, right? You know, like there's lots of people who want to lose weight and they just keep eating more and don't exercise. And it's like, okay, so you don't want to lose weight. Say, no, 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 I do. It's like, no, 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 but you don't. Because empirically, this is what you're doing. And you should give up the illusion that you want to lose weight because you have to judge yourself by your actions. It's like if some guy, some Irish redhead with blue eyes says, I don't want a sunburn, and then stands outside in the Florida sun with no sunscreen all day. It's like, well, what do you mean you don't want a sunburn? You're doing the exact actions that are going to give you a horrible sunburn. So don't tell me you don't want a sunburn. That's just some surface story. But you've got to judge empirically how people behave because that's what reality does right like your, your your body fat doesn't care about your intentions it cares about your exercise and food consumption that's all it cares about it doesn't care about like oh i must have burnt three calories uh 
uh, flipping through this diet book, well, it doesn't really matter if you then have a pound of cheesecake, right? It doesn't, doesn't matter. Your body is empirical, and philosophy should be empirical as well. And if you still want to stay with people, break bread with them, and, and hang out with them, and go on vacation with them, you cannot define them as immoral. Then you have to say, I don't really believe these moral standards. Taxation is not really theft. The state is not really evil. Why? Because I still want to hang out with people, and it's, it's kind of abusive. In fact, it's really abusive to hang out with people and define them as evil. But like, that, that's mm. really wrong because it's damaging to the relationship. It's damaging to them. And so if you really do want to hang out with people, yes. you know, don't pretend to believe in a moral system when you behave in the opposite manner because all you do is discredit that moral system. And sorry, by hanging out with them, you're saying that it's okay. No, no, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt. Listen, I had a long speech um, there. It's totally fine. But by hanging out with them, I think you're giving them the impression or you're communicating to them that they are right and that it's okay. Well, no, you, you, you're you saying it's, it's okay. Like you're not just creating the impression empirically. Right. It's like it's the, that's like the, the, the Irish guy saying, well, by standing out in the sun all day without <laughs> sunscreen, I'm giving the impression that I, I'm happy to have a sunburn. I'm okay with a sunburn. It's like well, it's more than giving the impression. <laughs> it's actually what you're doing. Like you, you're not just right. giving the impression it's okay. You're, right. you're you're acting empirically that it is okay, and uh, don't have a contradiction between your mm -hmm. actions and your ideals. That's that's really important because it'll just tear you apart. It'll tear other people apart. It will just lay waste to your entire social circle if you you say, well, these are my ideals, but I'm going to spend a lot of time with people who have the opposite ideals. Uh, you know, do, do you just it's integrity. Integrity is having. Uh, consistency between your ideals and your actions and you know not perfect but it doesn't really matter right what does it mean to be in perfect health i don't even know everybody's got a cyst somewhere right but but if you if you have ideals and then in your social life you act in the exact opposite manner these ideals are probably being used to torture yourself they're probably being used as a form of self-abuse and you're putting yourself in a situation where maybe you feel superior, but you're actually acting in an inferior manner because you're acting against moral integrity, or you're using it to punish other people or keep an emotional distance from them, or like it's something is not right. The ideals are not being used to make your life better or happier. They're being used to punish others, to punish yourself, to feel superior, to keep people at distance, to be judgy and, and to whatever it is, right? And, and, you know, as you know, philosophy is not a freaking toy, right? It's not something you just play around with or something you use as a tool mm. of uh, feeling superior or having higher status or lording it over people or condemning them or judging them or whatever. Like, you've got to live consistently with the ideals. And, and if you find that your empirical actions act in opposition to your ideals, give up the ideals or change your actions, but... For heaven's sakes, don't have the two, man. That's like one foot on the dock, one foot on the pier, and the boat is mm -hmm. separating. Like you're just gonna, it's gonna go badly. It's gonna go mm -hmm. very badly over time. So that's really been my argument as a whole. I don't want to tell people what to do. Oh, you got to shun everyone who who is immoral by your. I don't want to mm -hmm. say that, but at least mm -hmm. give up on the ideals if you're not living by them because it's just pretty bad. Yeah, well, and I I agree with that. I, I think that's that makes basic common sense, but it needs to be stated because a lot of people don't live by common sense, unfortunately. I I really like what you said about the abolitionist movement, and this is kind of a question I have for you, because uh, they were united with a set, I guess, a set of goals w with which they wanted to um, strive to or, or implement, we'll put it that way. Um, and I don't know if the liberty movement is, is like that in not just different countries, or of course we know there's no such thing as countries, just individuals. But but let me say, let me ask this. So 
I've seen you, or I've not seen you, obviously, in person, but watched you debate different people. And you one time said, you know, no one really loses a debate because if you so-called lose, well, you've been corrected, right? Now you know the truth. Now you are able to, you know that truth is better than error. You're able to adjust. It's like saying that you've lost a debate with a GPS. Really? You know, if you're driving in the wrong direction, the GPS says, says, recalculating, please make a legal U-turn. And, oh, I can't believe that the GPS beat me. I'm so upset. It's like, no, I I don't want to drive in the wrong direction. I'm glad to be turning around. Right. And then you're mad at the GPS. You you are angry at the GPS for directing you in the right direction. You say, well, that's kind of why it exists, right? I'm mad. It does what I paid it to do. Exactly. Yeah. But but that being said – some of the hotter topics that you've had to talk about in the past and things that you don't even necessarily say, well, well, I believe they say, no, this is the truth. Right. And, and there's been a lot of people in the Liberty movement that were upset with you. And I'm just curious, this is just out of curiosity because I don't think I've seen it. Have any of the people that think, Oh, Stefan has, has betrayed the Liberty movement. He's not a real ANCAP or, or voluntarist, whatever you want to say. Have any of them tried to debate you? Because I really think they've just kind of stayed silent and didn't try to even have a conversation, except for um, I think you had one conversation with Adam Kokish where he kind of tried to go there. We had a debate about immigration. But even then, he had to walk away. Yeah. Yes, yes, and he had to walk away. And even then, he had to say, Uncle, like you had the facts on your side, and he, he really didn't have anything to say. He had to keep saying, well, yeah, I agree with you. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. And then by the time it got to the end, there wasn't really a whole lot of disagreement because you, you didn't change. It's just you were an empiricist, I think is what it comes down oh, to. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know in, in any particular detail. I, you know, for, for better or for worse, I really, I don't, I don't read a lot of libertarian stuff anymore. Uh, I find it's pretty left-leaning. And they refuse to acknowledge any mm. demographic differences. They refuse to acknowledge bell curve stuff. And, and that's just kind of boring to me. That's just so 1980s, you know, because I first got into the libertarian sure. movement. I mean, I was uh, 14 in 1980, and I went to my first libertarian conference when I was 15, right? So uh, to me, that's all just 1980s, right? It's just, oh, Milton Friedman, oh, the free market, oh, you know. But I, I get all of that, and I think that's great. Those are good principles, but it's um, it's like trying to use one of those big – shoebox cell phones from 1987 you know like can we we not upgrade a little here we've got new data we've got new facts and you know the before and after of Hernstein and Murray's bell curve is 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 pretty important and and trying to understand the world without reference to IQ is uh it's a it's a flat earth center of the universe cosmology that just has you get more and more complicated so I just I view this the ignorance of this stuff or the rejection of this stuff or the attack of this stuff it's um I mean, it's the Copernican battle, right? Okay, the, the sun is the center of the solar system. And I'm sorry if it upsets people, but it just is. Like, and you can believe otherwise. And yeah, I'm not going to sit there mm. and, and scream at you all day, but uh, you're just scared or, or, or um, wedded to a particular worldview that, or you don't want to take on the powers that, that feast on our imagined perfect egalitarianism of everything. And so I don't really read a lot of those criticisms because. You know, once you've satisfied yourself that the sun is the center of the solar system, reading a bunch of criticism from height down Ptolemaics, uh, it, it's really just, you know, I mean, do, do we go back and and uh, read a lot of criticism of the abolitionistic movement these days? Well, unless you're a historian dealing in the history of ideas, uh, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. Do we do we go go back and say, well, let's let's review the arguments that it is okay to hit your wife with a stick as big as your thumb? 
right? Let's let's go back and review. Like we just we move on, right? We we move on, or or let's uh, right. let's let's review the arguments that says different races should be unequal under the law, which is a terrible, unhorrible, and immoral proposition. Okay, um, so let's you know. So for me, like once you've and I've you know I've interviewed like what 17 experts in the field. I've read a whole bunch of books. Uh, I've satisfied myself that the science is is solid and it is as solid as anything in the social sciences IQ and, and so on. It, it's actually, in fact, the most solid metric in all the social sciences has been around for more than a hundred years. So when people are like, Oh, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all environment. It's like, no, uh, IQ is 80%, 83%, in fact, heritable by late teens, right? So, uh, it's not that. And, and there's tons of yeah, twin studies and, and adoption studies and I mean, all over the place. This stuff has been worked on since the 1960s and, uh, it just is the way that it is. And, and in fact, there's now, uh, you can actually look at genetics and, and see particular markers for, for intelligence. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all consistent. It all lines up. And like at some point, you just have to let go of the, the fantasy, right? You just let go of the delusion. If, if the, the sun-centered solar system explains everything that happens, and it does, uh, you, I guess you could say, well, it's just an illusion put there by the devil to lead you away from God. It's like, okay, but now you're, you're not doing science anymore. You're doing something <laughs> else completely. Uh, and so for the libertarians who don't want to talk about this stuff, like I get it. I mean, it's it, it's harsh. You know, it's harsh to talk about this stuff because it's a straight up competitor to the Marxist theory that everything's determined by your relationship to the means of production, and that's that's Ptolemaic, right? That's the, the science doesn't support it, the genetics don't support it, the studies don't support it, the facts don't support it, and um, so it's just Ptolemaic. It's just okay. That's that's an old school. Uh, system. Uh, Marxism is ridiculously conservative that way because it denies all the modern science of intelligence. And so <laughs> I, I don't read a lot of these criticisms because it's it's like to me reviewing two plus two equals four. You know, some kids are going to say, no, no, two and two <laughs> make five. And it's like, okay, you know, that's for a kindergarten teacher. That's not for me. And I just don't review a lot of this stuff. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, if if there's criticisms and people say, well, the number is not 80 percent, it could be closer to 60 percent. OK, well, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to look at that. I think that's sure. that's great. I think Charles Murray is coming out with a book this summer about IQ and crime, which is going to be quite, uh, quite interesting. And yeah, so as far as oh, 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 I, what I betrayed uh, anarcho-capitalism by pushing back on lies against against Trump. I see, and uh, people just fundamentally misunderstand that stuff as a whole. So, so first of all, Hillary was was promising to declare at least three wars, at least three wars, right? It was probably going to be Russia, and Syria, and Iran, uh, and those are the ones. I think those are the ones I remember reading about, right? And that um, that could get a whole lot of people killed. Now, libertarian purists can say, well, I'm not going to get involved in politics. Because it's like, okay, okay that's fine, uh, but don't, don't talk to yourself. Like, your purity comes at the expense of hundreds of thousands of lives. Right? Mm, I mean, because yeah. Trump, he didn't start any wars. Like, say what you like. He didn't start any wars. First American president in mm-hmm. Lord knows how long, in a country that's been at war for all but four of its 270-plus years history, Right, or 240 plus year history. Uh, Trump didn't start any wars. Four years, no new wars. Now people can sit there and say, "Well, I can't yeah. believe you got involved in the election." Blah blah blah. It's like, okay, you had an anti-war candidate, and you had a pro-war candidate. It, to me, that's all you have to do is have basic empathy and say, "Okay, well, if I was in Syria, or I was in Iran, or I was in Russia, 
would I want Hillary Clinton in power or Donald Trump in power? It's not that complicated. Do you do you want to get blown up or not? Most people have as the goal of their day, at least as a bare minimum, not getting blown up. You know, that's not a bad place to start. And so, yeah, no new wars. And all of the people who sat that out, it's like, okay, so I saved, you know, whatever tiny effect I may have had on the election. Okay, at least I contributed, you know, one, one billionth of a percent to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people not dying, not being killed. And then the inevitable yeah. blowback in the homeland, the terrorist attacks, the counter-strikes, all that kind of stuff, right? All the escalation, who knows how far it could have gone with Russia. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty clear about that. The other thing, too, is that when I pushed, like I had the whole series, the untruths about Donald Trump, right? So now why was I interested in exposing the lies the media was saying about Donald Trump. And, and I don't know why people can't see this, because to me it's just blindingly obvious, but maybe it's like this is not 3D chess or 4D chess or 5D chess. This is like X's and O's <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But why <laughs> was I focused on revealing the lies of the media about Donald Trump? Because the media had lied about me. Right. It had very little yeah. to do with Trump, I think. It had everything to do with the media yeah, so, being liars. Yeah, you know, nobody's going to care that much that they've lied about me. But Donald Trump being this famous, the more I can say, okay, here's a lie, here's a lie, here's a lie, here's a lie. You know, and I went on for hours with these presentations. Here's a lie, here's the facts, here's a lie, here's the facts. So then I did my part, and those were seen millions and millions and millions of times. So I did my part in reducing people's trust in the media. So then when the media lies about me, I mean, this to me is like, again, it's not just about me. It's not just about me. But it's, you know, if your enemy is lying about you, reducing their credibility is like your first job, isn't it? I mean, especially when those lies are escalating to the point where things are getting dangerous. That's just a, that's just a 101 thing, right? I mean, if the enemy's attacking you and you can't fight back directly, uh, you just try and uh, discredit them and cut off their supply lines. I mean, it's not, it's not that complicated as far as I can tell, but I, don't, I, I, guess, I guess maybe libertarians weren't enough on the media's radar to be attacked in the way that I was. I don't know, maybe something like that. But, uh, uh, you know, oh, he's, he's, uh, it's, it was about the media. It wasn't about Donald Trump. <laughs> it was about the media, which was uh, a lot to do with me. So. Of course, yeah. And, and, and that's true. I mean, it really is just staggering how much how, and how many lies are told. I mean, at this point, it's one of those things, I will confess, probably – some of the reason why I looked up your YouTube channel was some of the things people were saying about you. It was like, well, do I, I want to know if this is true. There's, there's, I think I could say, not to toot my own horn, that there is some level of openness necessary. And I think kind of what you're getting to is one of the reasons why you don't, well, I think the reason why you don't read these criticisms is because you see zero openness. I mean, again, two and two is five. You're not even open to the possibility that you're wrong. Um, and again, it's not really your your area that's kindergarten teachers area or what have you um but it's one of those things there needs to be openness to well maybe i am wrong and if they're going to refuse to do that then yeah why would you talk to these so-called i mean to call them critics sounds like well they maybe have some legitimate grievance i mean i would just say i don't think it's even that well i think it's incorrect to say well steph believes this it's like they can't say that you're wrong they haven't looked at the things that you've presented they haven't watched the videos they haven't listened to the podcast they haven't talk to the authors of these books and, and the people that look at this data. So to say, well, Steph believes about this race and IQ stuff, is like, well, have you debunked anything that he's well, read? Also, just the phrase Steph Please. believes. You know, I mean, I'm right. like, I'm sorry. It's like, I don't just believe that the earth is round. It's just like I believe say, what I have. I mean, the science say, is, is 100% right. on, on, 
on the side. And again, you can say, oh, well, you know, but the, the moon landing was, was a hoax and, and they're just manufacturing everything. Okay, you can go there, but then all you've done is you've removed all standards of truth and then you're no longer in the – to be in philosophy, to be a thinker. You have to have some standard of proof. Otherwise, you're just a, a reality right. as a conspiracy theory, endless debunker with no center. Right? Nothing is true. Okay, well, then that's, a, that's really a paranoia position, not a philosophical position. You have a standard of truth, right? And have standard of proof and a standard of truth. And if you don't have this – so people don't want to say – you know, it's to shoot the messenger, right? Uh, people don't want to say the doctor mm. – who diagnosed me with cancer caused my cancer, right? I mean, because that would be crazy, right? Or, you know, it's only the belief that you have cancer that is the cancer. It's like, no, the doctor is just delivering the news of a physical reality, right? And the scientist is just delivering the news. Sound is the center of the soul. He's just delivering the news of a physical reality. And when I talk about IQ and bell curves and stuff like that, and, and it's not something I believe, it's something that's just what I said on Dove Rubin is something I desperately don't want to believe because it makes the world pretty challenging when these facts go against right. the mainstream narrative and you get right. into a lot of trouble. I mean, how, how ridiculously uh, self-abusive would I have to be to take on false statements at such great personal peril and cost? I mean, come on, that, that, that would just mm -hmm. be, that, I would have yeah. to be so mentally deranged and so self-hating that I would take on things clearly false at, at great personal cost and great personal danger. Because, I mean, I, rem I remember life before I took on these topics. It was pretty good. <laughs> I, was, I was able to travel, give speeches, go around the world. And it was fun, right? So why on earth? Like, I would have to be deranged. I would have to be uh, flagellating in such a manner that would make a medieval monk look like somebody sitting uh, in, a, in a hammock by the seaside uh, sipping a Mai Tai, right? I mean, I would, I would have to be so mentally unwell that I would take that pretty fun existence and then just work to completely smash it to smithereens for some completely bizarre psychological reason. I mean, it doesn't, it would make no sense. It would, I mean, again, unless I had yes, some well, holding... really weird self-hating pathology and couldn't stand my own success or, or wanted to punish myself for some imagined crime or whatever, whatever psychological nonsense could be going on. But, um, yeah, the Steph believes stuff is uh, it's just a way of saying, well, I don't want to take on the topic. And look, that's fine. That's fine. I, 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 mm. I, not everyone has to take on this topic. There are no unchosen positive obligations. People don't have to take on this topic. But then don't pretend that there's any intellectual integrity in not taking on the topic. That's all. Right? Don't say, well, Steph right. is wrong about these things and he's, here's why and, 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 and he's incorrect. And these, these people who've all, they're all scientists who themselves are great peril to their careers have taken on these topics. Everybody's lying. Okay. Then if you don't want to take on the topic, then just shut up about the topic and just say, I don't, I'm not going to discuss this. Yes. You know, it's too, it's too hot a topic, right? I mean, it's what Jordan Peterson, when he was asked about race and IQ, he said, uh, I don't want to talk about it because people get killed for doing that. It's like, okay, I don't think that's courageous. Mm. You know, he's willing to take on feminists, I guess. He's willing to take on, uh, you know, crazy blue-haired leftists, maybe. But, you know, as far as the real issues, he's, he dances around. Okay, but so it's not courageous, but at least it's honest. But he's not sitting there saying, oh, it's all completely false it's and everybody who hard. believes in it is a racist. He's not taking the counter position. He's just saying, no, no, that's that's too hot for me. Like that's I, I, I don't want to do that because I would get right. too much uh, blowback. Uh, and he did say it's very hard to just hold to the truth. I really think that it's hard to hold to the truth. And I said in, in my message or my comment first, and then when I first got on with you, that that I admire you. And I think that's 
really why is that you've held to the truth and when it was hard you didn't stop I, I really believe that about you because the deplatforming happened and you actually put out a video I think it was on parlor but also maybe on rumble um, about basically don't go anywhere imagine if if you're in a relationship with a beautiful woman and she moves <laughs> over one block and then you say yeah, well yeah. that's just too one far. There, yeah no and and look people didn't yeah, donate I, to me to chicken out right I mean of course if people are paying me five bucks a month to, to do what I'm doing, they're not paying me to chicken out, right? I mean, that would be that would be pretty bad, mm-hmm. I think. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I appreciate your thoughts, and and it's 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 interesting to talk about this kind of stuff. And um, I just, uh, if, if people don't want to talk about particular topics, then just stay away from them. But don't count a signal. That's uh, that's terrible. That's that's really terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, if I don't want to be in a race, I won't be in the race. But don't be in a race and then trip people up. Like, don't pretend to be in a race, be a bystander, and just trip people up. That's just being a jerk. That's just being a complete douche canoe. Uh, so, you know, if you don't want to be in this topic, that's fine. Then just say, you know, too hot for me. Uh, maybe it's good that what the guy's doing. Uh, it makes me too scared. It makes me too uneasy. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I can respect the honesty, if not the courage. But don't come in and, and uh, trip people up who are trying to, to get something, you know, don't, uh, don't go in and don't sabotage. You know, if you don't want to be in something, that's fine. You don't want to be in the car race. Don't be in the car, but don't sabotage the car, right? That this, that's, that's, that's total mm-hmm. douche canoe status. And, and I don't know if people do it like uh, I'll signal and maybe I'll be saved. It's like, you're not going to be saved. <laughs> you're not going to be saved. If you're a libertarian, uh, they're coming for you. And it doesn't matter if you, if you dump on me, um, it, they'll just, all that will show them is that they've already scared you. And uh, you've got nothing to fear, which means they'll come for you even harder because you, you're not going to fight back. So, All right. I just wanted to dip into this uh, thing. And um, I'm sorry. That, well, thanks, of course, everyone, for dropping by. It's really nice to, to meet you as a listener. And I kind of like this as a format. It's nice to be able to just have chats with people uh, without setting up this whole thing. And it's nice to be able to do it without, uh, uh, without video, too, because uh, – I'm just getting older. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone, so much. I appreciate it. Uh, I will. Uh, you can, of course, follow me here, uh, freedomain.podbean.com, I think it is, and uh, we'll see um, whether this uh, grows or whether people like to do this. It was a real great pleasure to chat with you today, and maybe we can do more of this kind of cheaty, chatty stuff. I actually had a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about, but it was more fun to talk about this stuff. So, yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh, stay tuned, freedomain.com forward slash donate if you would like to help out. And lots of love from up here. Take care. Stay safe. I will talk to you soon. Bye.